Today, I'm happy to welcome Martin Steller, who a long time ago used to be a monk and now teaches nice people how to sell ethically. His credentials also read illustrator, copywriter, and even a singer. In today's show, I want to find out more about the sales part of Martin's teachings and how we too, as technical founders, can sell a single pen. Welcome to the show, Martin. Hope you like that intro. It's nice. Thank you. <laughs> I dug down a bit on your uh, on your blog and <laughs> got b bits and pieces. So, um, right. so thank you for being in the show. I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, thank you. Yes. So, um, uh, I believe that every year we change. And the question I want to ask you, the first question is, who is Martin today? What does Martin do? I. Hmm. A tough one. Yeah, left field. Um, let me see how I uh, pick that one up. Uh, who is Martin <laughs> today? Well, I. Hmm. There's two things that I do at the moment. One is I'm trying to package myself into an app. So I want mm -hmm. to replicate the experience of sales coaching for everybody to use for free in an app. And at the same time, I'm working towards more revenue share deals and less client work mm -hmm. and I'm happy to go into the details of the why and the how but that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm, I'm trying to focus I, I, I want to be less involved spending time with people I mean I love spending time with people hi right. I mean, that's why we're talking but to have all these client meetings in my agenda and always be coaching and consulting became something I want to do less of with more advanced people because I've, right. I've often spent time with people who are at the early stages or it's their first round being in business or they're young and brazen and they think they know it all and they're fighting me all over the place. And I'm mm -hmm. kind of beyond that kind of work. I, I, I want to work with people who are people with battle scars, you know, who failed at business and started again, or people who've raised money and lost it and managed their way through it. That's the kind of person that really fascinates me because when you, when you acquire your battle scars, you also acquire humility. And then you're somebody that I can work with. And that is really my direction now to, to have fewer meetings, but with quote unquote, higher quality entrepreneurs. And then specifically in the revenue share setup rather than a client provider relationship. That's that's mm -hmm. the one side and the other side is to, to, to try and build an app and, and get people to use it. Yeah, one thing uh, that you mentioned and also explained actually is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you want to work with someone who has battle scars. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned that, you know, those kind of people, they they know humility, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, they're more humble. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make them a better entrepreneur moving forward, uh, coming back from earlier defeats? Is that something that makes them, yes. I guess, stronger? Or, or what else does that make them? It makes you more um, careful in taking risks, and it makes you more grounded when you do take risks. Right. So what I see with a lot of uh, um, earlier stage entrepreneurs is they have this idea and they're madly in love with it and it's going to work and it's perfect. And they tell themselves this whole story 
about mm -hmm. how it can work and how it's you know going to roll out and everything that I'm going to do for it. And then we're going to have this success. But then you also very conveniently edit out all the reasons why it might not work or why you've overlooked something or why you've decided something fundamental is a later thing. And I, I today I was talking to my business partner. Uh, he has a client. Uh, the client is developing uh, uh, virtual reality applications for tourism and, and, and for, for cities. And it's really cool stuff. It's it's really advanced kit and it's beautiful. And it's got a team and they're trying to sell this. Now, the guy, the owner, he really wants to go and take it to the Ayuntamiento. So the, the, the local Spanish um, uh, townships, uh, mm -hmm. uh, villages, towns, cities, get it into the tourism offices, which is wonderful, but it's a long sales cycle. It's people who are not... Uh, passionate about the purchase the way a business owner would be. So for a number of reasons, that direction going into that market has a lot of disadvantages. Does the guy want to know about it? No, nope, because he's convinced that this is going to work. Mm -hmm, because this right. He's going all and everybody is under stress. His team isn't performing well. His salespeople are frustrated. The delivery is delayed. And both my business partner who, who you know works with him and me were saying, yeah, well, maybe if you would consider doing that. No, 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 it's, I've got this, this is the plan, this is going to work. So he, he is unfortunately at the moment, and I hope it changes soon, blind to other sides of the reality. And that is something I see a lot with people who, yeah, have this beautiful idea and they think that it's, and I have made this mistake myself. Right, right. Come up yes. with a product, a course, and this is going to be life transforming and it's going to solve all the problems and I'm going to build this thing. And, and somebody would come up to me and say, have you considered this? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Once this is running, I'll get to that. You know, and, right. <laughs> and, and I've also had to learn the humility to, to take in information from other people and to do uh, uh, what do you call it, a pre-mortem and, and see mm -hmm. if this fails, how am I going to make it fail? What is my way of breaking this if I'm going to break it? Mm -hmm. and, and that is a very different approach than saying, well, I've got the solution and now people just need to find out about me. So yeah, yeah it becomes a growth element when you struggle, when you go through hardships, when you go bankrupt. It, it is something that hardens you, but it also softens you up to a more open and less rigid, stringent, self-involved, really, uh, view on, on how things are and could be. So yeah, everybody fall on your face. It's mm -hmm. good for you. I'll help you get up again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess you develop more curiosity towards your idea. Too. Awesome. Uh, yeah. uh, that's, that's actually my experience. You know, I've, I've done what you just mentioned, all those things mm -hmm. <laughs> with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the product a couple of years ago, uh, almost like 10 years ago. And I was so, um, uh, had so much confidence. I was mm -hmm. so confident on it. And then I didn't see the, all my, you know, sort of blind sides and I failed yeah. of course. Yeah. But what that made me sort of like be more open, be more curious, all the things that you've mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. so it makes sense, I guess, working, you know, with your expertise, sort of your time would be more valuable towards somebody like that. Who's open to, to the suggestions exactly. and the discussions and, you know, all the experiments that you have to run in business because nobody knows the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, one thing you mentioned uh, about your friend uh, that is working on that product, um, you said something about, you know, those people might not be excited. 
mm. when it comes to sales, um, mm. is it a better idea to look for people or find the ones or maybe spend time with the ones that are more excited and maybe bypass the ones who are not just to sort of save time if you're limited in resources? Like, how does that go about? It depends. I mean, there is personal preferences. You know, a lot of people are in business because they love the, 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 the market and the product and the solution and the problem it solves. And mm-hmm. sure, uh, uh, then you don't necessarily have to have people who are engaged and passionate. I wouldn't want to work with people like that. Like somebody offered me uh, a big project uh, related to the ad tech industry. And I'm not that big of a fan of ad tech. So I don't want Mm -hmm. to work in a corporate ecosystem where people are advertising people and spreadsheet jockeys. Mm -hmm. I don't get warmed up from thinking about that niche. And then the, the, the whole technical complexity plus the privacy issues in ad tech Please leave me alone. That's, that's right. not for me. You know, I, I want people like my 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 current revenue share partner. She coaches and consults multi generational family businesses through transitions. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful because that's the cornerstone of of uh, the economy is is small and family businesses, and she is all in trying to help those people. That is something I get passionate about because she's doing something really good for all kinds of levels of society and economy. So for me, the personal preference is, yeah, I, I want people who care. Otherwise, mm-hmm. don't talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm, I care. I want you to care. Right. If you're yes. just a corporate drone, you know, purchasing a solution for some outcome. Yeah, that's not for me. There, there, there are other people who would love to. So is it better? Does it make it easier? Well, not necessarily, but if you do talk to people who are emotionally involved, who, who care, who are passionate, um, in many cases, you'll find that the process of enrolling them is easier, mm-hmm. you know, because they have their own intrinsic, not just numerical and logic based motivations, they also have their emotional motivations. And that is something you can work with. Because people don't buy things just because it solves a problem. It also solves it, they buy things also, because they like the maker, they like how the user interface works, they like the vision and mission and values that the, 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 the founder and their team put into the world. So when you can play with that, you have far more incentive to extract and develop and deploy with that other person than if it were just, we have a problem, we need a solution, is the price right? Okay. So yeah, I, I, I would recommend mm-hmm. look for people who are involved, who care, who who have a passion. It's just more fun as well, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, people that are passionate about the problem they're having, the mm-hmm. problem they're trying to solve, you know? Uh, so you mentioned revenue share a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I I know we spoke about it briefly uh, before, uh, before today's mm-hmm. uh, talk, and I want to know more about it. Like, what is it? What is that you're working on? How does it work? Um, well, something you want to share about it. It's something that gradually I um, started to get my head around. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Jay Abraham. He's um, a marketing whiz that has been around for decades. He's behind a lot of the marketing strategies that people use these day, uh, days. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially over the last two years, I've been really taking in a lot of his content. 
And Jay is all about revenue share deals and partnerships and uh, alliances. And so I started looking at that and talking to people and looking for opportunities. And then a client last year became a revenue share partner. It was just the logical next phase. And by then I'd been working with her for quite a while. So we'd gotten to really enjoy each other's company and appreciate ourselves, each other. And so the transition went from being paid as a provider into two friends working on the one friend's business. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic is very different. And that is so much lighter, so much more fun and enjoyable because I don't have to show up as the coach and hold the space and be all professional and perform. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. No, I'm just meeting with my friend. Uh, how can I help your business today? And that different kind of, I, I, f- I fell in love with that dynamic because it is so different and so much more pleasant. So yeah, that is something I decided to really lean into and see what other kind of opportunities there are. Not only because it is a different and more fun way to work, also because it enables people to get my help when at my normal fees, uh, they wouldn't be able to, you know, I right. charge a lot of money for my work because I make a lot of difference in the business, etc. But a lot of people wouldn't be able to step in to such a costly uh, 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 project with me and then they can't get my help. And that doesn't sit right with me. And then I got to the point where I thought, wait, but if I'm so good at what I do, should I not also be looking for opportunities where my compensation is based on the difference that I make and not on the sales ticket that people buy into? Shouldn't I have the confidence, the arrogance perhaps to say, I will invest in your business. I will invest my time and my intellectual property and my relationships into helping your business grow. And when you do, then I get paid royalties. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's a new thing for me. I'm, I'm a few months into developing this. It's working well. Now I just want to see if I can get more deals like that set up with people who care, people that I enjoy spending time with. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, um, that's amazing. I mean, it's kind of risky, I guess, from your side uh, because yeah. you know, business depends on so many things. But yes. that is really cool that this first deal that you're working on is working out already. Mm. So, um um, another thing I wanted to ask, which you mentioned when we started the, the episode, is the sales coach app mm-hmm. uh, and sort of duplicating yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that actually work? Uh, what's the premise of it? Well, if you ask the right questions, um, then you help another person gain insight and clarity, and that clarity leads to decision. So that is the process of coaching you ask people questions so that they find their own answers and that they end up saying you know what i'm going to do this thing or that thing mm-hmm. and then, good my coaching job is done i'll see you next week i want to replicate that process in an app so i'm i'm for anybody interested in the technical side i'm using obsidian to create notes i use gatsby garden to convert them into web pages and so each note is either an article or a training or part of a workflow. So there's articles that give you just simple explanations about things. Then there is specific trainings, like small sets of mini training. And then there's questions. So let's look at your pipeline. Which of these deals is stuck? What needs to happen for this deal to come unstuck? 
oh, do you not have any stock deals? Good. What of your qualified flowing deals could move faster if you take an action? What action do you need to take? That action, or what needs to happen, right? What needs to happen at this deal for it to move forward? That action is that in your control. Is that something you need to do or is it something you need to get your buyer to do? Or maybe a third party needs to deliver something so that you can send it on to your buyer. Whatever it is, figure out what needs to happen for this deal to move forward. Schedule your action to try and make it happen, to facilitate it, to request information or to send your own uh, uh, next message to your buyer. So that the app itself becomes a habit of asking yourself intelligent, calibrated questions about each of the deals in your pipeline. That's that's the idea behind it. Does that make sense when I explain it like this? It does, yeah. Um, you know, the way I'm picturing it, as you mm. explained it, uh, I have this app in my phone, which mm -hmm. I uh, should check regularly, probably mm -hmm. daily. Mm -hmm. And then maybe with some selections that I do, some inputs that I do, mm -hmm. it, sorts, it sort of gives me feedback maybe, yeah. uh, asks me the right questions. Is that sort of, yeah. did I get it right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the okay. feedback part is for the moment pretty static because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really in the minimal viable uh, state yes. of the app so it's 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 static html there is no real uh, interaction um but I'll, I'll build that in at some point mm -hmm. but yeah it, it gives you the feedback in that okay so you've asked yourself this question you've given that answer now your next step is to schedule that action all right now let's go back to the beginning of the thread what needs to happen for the next deal to move forward and so yeah it it, it, it is interactive in that you get the app itself gives the feedback by presenting you the next step and then the next step and then you get to go back to the beginning or to another workflow where you get to ask different questions uh, about lead generation or about cleaning up your pipeline that's that's the idea behind it okay okay yeah sounds, sounds something that you know a lot of people can find useful um i for one i avoid sales direct sales um <laughs> i yeah i uh, i hate to admit that uh -huh. And, you know, my, which leads to my next question, uh, mm -hmm. why, you know, from working with founders, with entrepreneurs that you worked in your career, mm. why do people, you know, why are people reluctant towards sales? Is it, is it for me, you know, like I'm, I'm coming to a conclusion that I have like a really fragile ego mm -hmm. and like, I'm afraid somebody will not like me or maybe somebody, you know, will say something bad to me. And that's why I don't do it. Like that's, I think, you know, what's, what's mm -hmm. stopping me. Like, what is it in your experience that you've seen so far? Well, there's many different reasons, but that fear of the no is a really big one. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's fragile ego. But listen, nobody likes to hear no, whether your ego is big or, or, or small, fragile mm -hmm. or robust. It's not nice when people tell you no. So that is one of the reasons. But you have to remember that if you're afraid to be rejected or to hear a no or to be turned down, then you're making it about yourself. Mm -hmm. now, listen, you are in business because you solve a problem, i.e. you are about other people. That's why you are in business. If not, you're just a greedy bastard trying to extract money and I don't want to talk mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. But the people with their heart in the right place, they are in business because it makes life better for others, i.e. you are there for the other and everything you do is about the other. If you then are afraid of the no, you're making it about yourself because you're conflating mm -hmm. the no, this is not right for me. No, this is not the time for me. No, this wouldn't solve. You're conflating that with no, I don't like you. 
that's not the same thing. When a buyer tells you no, unless you have you know body odor and spinach on, on your teeth, it's never about you. <laughs> they don't reject right. you. They reject your solution in their world at this moment. That's not about you. So I think I think when you place it, you know, when I, I guess the the sort of the the framing of it, saying I'm in business because I have a solution for a certain problem to help yeah. people. Yeah. Then the no becomes more about the no of that, yeah. not of you. Like I think that we, I, I need to reframe my mind for that more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got your chance now. Ask me anything. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like the next thing I wanted to ask you, you know, I see a lot of your tweets, uh-huh. a lot of your threads. That's how I got to know you actually, and I've read some some articles in your blog, hmm. and I wanted to know more how you got into sales. Is it something that came naturally to you? Something that you were thrown into? Uh, uh, I, learned it in, uh, I learned it in a monastery. Okay. Yep, because I, um, as, as a teenager, I was very much against everything commercial and marketing and sales. And I saw through all the, you know, the, the manipulation tactics in advertisements. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was all so transparent. I mean, it, so I had a real strong antipathy against anything to do with marketing and selling. I ended up in a monastery around the year, uh, about uh, when I was 20, 21 years old. Never thought about business, obviously. Uh, but my role there, partially, was to work with volunteers, small teams of people who would come for a weekend or a month, and then mm-hmm. help them work with us on the projects. Now, volunteers are a very difficult type of person to work with because you can't hold them accountable. They're, they're not paid, right. they're not in military service, they're not your, you know, they, they, you can't boss them around, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But there is very, very little that you can do with a volunteer to make them do the things that need to be done. Can you help us with the dishes? We've just had lunch and it was 20 people at the tables. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, once I'm done meditating, I'm just sitting in the garden meditating now, feeling all spiritual. Yeah, I know, but these dishes, you know, we also have to prepare dinner later on. So if somebody could help, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. How do you work with people who have their own interests, who cannot be held accountable? Well, you learn bit by bit how to communicate with them in such a way that they want to work with you, that they want to adopt your idea. So you have to learn a mode of communication where you both want to move forward without any coercion, manipulation or pushiness. So that's really where I got my training every mm-hmm. day, working with people who were unmanageable to, 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 to put a label on it. And could so, you share, like, could, could I pressure you into sharing like a specific sort of uh, scene, a specific scenario? Like how, how does that work actually? Like, you know, working with somebody who, who cannot be held accountable, who's uh-huh. maybe not interested to do it, you know, like, is it something that is, uh, I guess you can you can tell me if you can yeah if you if you want to share that bit. Well, there's one thing that comes to mind. Um, the, the 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 monastery was a very old uh, uh, building in Belgium, and so a, a lot of it was wood, um, mm-hmm. walls, floors. It was all built 300 years ago, and so it was a fire hazard to have people there uh, if they would also want to have a little candle on on their little personal meditation space. No, there was not, nobody was allowed to have open fire in the house, not even a little tea light, because Mm -hmm. the risk is so big. 
And then you would say that to somebody, so, oh, hey, I saw that you have that candle, but uh, we're not supposed to burn any fire of any sort here because fire hazard. Oh, but I have it sit in, in, in a little sand dish. There's nothing that can happen. I know, you're right. This is a safe way to do it. However, the rules of the house are that we don't, nobody in any of the rooms burns any fire. So if you could please extinguish that candle and make sure that your roommate also knows it, doesn't light it up again. But that's one example of, of mm-hmm. they are right. There is absolutely right. no risk unless somebody kicks the bowl with sand and the candle through the room. There is not going to be any fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these are the rules of the house. What is required for me to have you accept those rules and comply with them? How can I make this situation? Uh-huh. Right. So, so really difficult, insignificant uh, issues. Uh, but really difficult to do it without resorting to the default, listen, these are the rules, just do what I say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the last thing that you want to do. That's the last thing that you want to do in sales. And that's exactly the thing that people very often unwittingly do. When you're talking to your buyer and things seem to be working, but it's not moving forward, or they're humming and hawing, or they're suddenly, they come up with another objection and... And then you've been spending so much time investing in this deal and you thought it was going to work and gee, you need to make payroll or rent is due and I need this money. And so, listen, Mr. Buyer, this really solves your problem. You've told me that this is the problem. You've agreed that this is the solution. So can we just not make this happen? Right? Nobody talks like that really. Right. But in a subconscious way, that is the kind of message that you can start to signal if you lose your patience, if you get frustrated, if there's despair, if you have neediness. And when that happens, you're effectively telling the other person what to do. They turn down your offer and there is no sale. Or they buy and you have a bad sales relationship, a bad mm, client relationship right. because it wasn't fully their self-motivated, self-driven decision to do it. No, there was coercion involved. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense, you know. And, you know, I was, well, I sort of interrupted you, you know, uh, mm. you started saying, you know, how you learned sales mm-hmm. in a monastery and how did that sort of affect you as you left there i guess after uh, after some time yeah. like what made you decide like this is what i want to do it was a long long uh windy path to get here so in mm-hmm. monetary i learned how to make very very elegant fancy handmade clothing so okay bespoke tailor like several row quality suits and stuff and so logically, oh, wow. when I left, the idea was to start a tailoring shop and just sell suits, dress people well. But I didn't know anything about business, marketing, or sales. And I still had my old antipathy against everything commercial. <laughs> right. So I went and started a, a tailoring company saying, I don't need to do marketing. Quality sells itself. So obviously, I went bankrupt three years later because it's the biggest fallacy there is that quality sells itself. Uh, by then, I had learned quite a bit about marketing and sales because at some point, you, you know, when things start going down, you have to learn. So when my tailoring company failed, I started copywriting. Then I transitioned into marketing education and gradually that became coaching until a year ago, I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the sales coach for ethical, ethical selling. That is mm-hmm. my thing. Yes, there's business growth and uh, other kinds of coaching, but it's about ethical selling. I can coach you. 
So that became really the, the, the conclusion of this 25-year trajectory of learning all these different things across all kinds of disciplines, uh, and that coagulated into yeah, a coach for ethical selling. That is amazing. Yeah, it, it was very intriguing to me when I was reading in your blog, and you know, mm -hmm. I saw uh, you know you were a monk, and now you do you know uh, you are a copywriter, now you do sales and everything. Yeah. So you know, it was very interesting to me to really learn that. It makes so much sense, you know. Yeah as you were sort of in that position to work with people who are maybe, you know, unabiding, uh, you know, you, mm -hmm. they cannot be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And then I guess that's where you find yourself in sales most of the time. You know, the other person doesn't really have to talk to you in that no. very moment, you know? No. So I guess you have to find ways uh, to find how you can help them, you know, if they have that problem at least, or qualify them, I guess, initially, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I guess that taught you that, you know? Um, I, I know for myself and a lot of friends, founder friends that I have, most of them technical founders, like we shy away from, from direct sales. And I would love to get better at it, would love to get, you know, um, Why is that? Uh, more active. And, you know, like, do you think that for, it, for, for you to be more successful, do you think it matters to have a, a great product all the time? Uh, can you sell a good product? With, with sales, sort of with direct sales. I don't want to go into selling a bad product with good sales, you know, but mm -hmm. can you do a, 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 can you do a sale of a good product, not maybe a great one, not the best one in the world? Oh, of course, sure. I mean, everybody can buy a, a Volkswagen Polo. Right. You know, that there's nothing wrong with a car mm -hmm. like that. It's not a Porsche, no. Uh, mm -hmm. But for some people, it's the right thing. And, and I don't see anything wrong with selling that so long as you don't tell the people that the fucker will move like a Porsche, because it won't. <laughs> right. Yeah, you won't do that. Right? So yeah. it's your own, your own integrity. And that is also part of my methodology, the whole, the whole framework that I teach, is that you want to put your cards on the table in, in all senses, in all ways, all throughout the process, you want to simply be clear. Look, this is what it does. This is what it shouldn't do. If you're looking for SEO to also convert your buyers for you, then you shouldn't be buying for me because I do SEO. I don't do conversion. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, Just make mm -hmm. sure that you don't have any false expectations. Do you, are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. And the buyer goes, "Ha, huh, he's removing false expectations from me. That is so nice. I trust him more. Right. So by, by being open and by being very clear and honest about what something can and cannot do, who it is for and who it is not for, you actually increase the chance that somebody will give serious consideration to buying from you, even if it is not the best or the most complete offer that they could possibly consider. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. One mistake I used to do before used to be when I was less experienced, uh, not that I'm way too experienced now, mm -hmm. but uh, way before when I started, I, uh, I, I would make an app, would put it up, launch it and everything. And then I would get clients mm -hmm. and they would start asking for things, you know? Yeah. And my confidence level at that time was super low. Mm -hmm. I was trying to make a sale at any cost for mm -hmm. anyone. And mm -hmm. then I would end up with a product that had features that maybe one person used, yeah. or maybe that one person mm -hmm. that, you know, wanted those features, like they didn't even convert, yeah. you know? So I think the part about being clear and saying, well, you know, it doesn't do that. At least it doesn't do it now. Maybe we'll do it in the future. I think that's a big sort of, um, I think it sends a better signal, more confident signal of what the actual thing is. 
and it doesn't make you sound desperate, I guess, in trying to make a sale at any cost, you know? There is a really important consideration because the moment you come across as needy or desperate, Mm -hmm. you turn people away. You know, neediness is very unattractive. It's needy is creepy. And if you cater to every whim and desire that a buyer has, you are displaying a sort of subservience, which mm-hmm. either comes from the absent self-esteem or comes from a, a, a strong neediness. Both origins of the subservience uh, signal to the people that, uh, to the other, other person, that you're making it about yourself. Oh, let me fix this for you. Let me add this PDF reader into it. Let mm-hmm. me add links and navigation and buttons all over the place. Anything you do to be happy, please, please, please give right, me money right, right. and buy my thing. So, you creep. No, I'll go to a serious <laughs> provider who just told me to please stop asking my support staff for features that we've already told you are not part of the roadmap. Thank you. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this leads me to the other question, uh, <laughs> which I think you shared just recently. Um, what it means to be too helpful. How can you go wrong about it? Oh, yeah. That's what everybody's <laughs> always doing. Like, listen, yes. I've got this great idea. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Uh, let's talk about it later. No, no, you got to see because it's, it's a fantastic idea. The problem you told me about last week, well, if you do this thing that I have in mind, it's going to really solve it. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Thank you. But I really need to finish this. Uh, besides, I think I already have a solution. Man, you don't see my solution. You, you don't want to listen to what I think I... Again, you're making it about yourself and the great idea that you have. And when you come out offering and suggesting that something that nobody asked for, a great idea or solution, what are you doing? You're making it about yourself. You're stating, I am right. And you're therefore also stating, and you are wrong. And you're also stating, and what you are trying to do, I already have figured out the solution. So I'm better, more intelligent, more experienced, and far more equipped than you are to solve this. Mm-hmm. So you're putting the other person down in 11 different ways and their reaction is going to be no. And then your idea doesn't go anywhere. So instead of having good ideas for people and trying to fix the world and trying to tell the other person, everybody in your world, how they should do things and how they should solve things, ask them questions. Have a dialogue, not you stating what they should be doing or how great your idea is. And have a dialogue, a back and forth about what they actually want and what they have already tried, and what hasn't worked, and why they gave up on the other direction that had such promise. And then if you keep asking them often enough about their problems, they're going to ask you about your solution. And that's mm-hmm. how your friends take your ideas, that's how your spouse buys into your plan, and that's how your buyer buys into your offer. Talk to people about their problems until they ask you about your solution. Don't volunteer proffer and suggest your solutions to people when they didn't even ask for it because you're making it about yourself and nobody wants to deal with somebody who's self-involved and thinks that they know it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you sound, you know, you, you can get across as annoying, you know, like oh, having yeah. all those yeah. ready-made ideas for everybody. I Look, I have, I have the solution for you, yeah, but I didn't ask you right. for any solution. Like a while ago, I was doing some volunteer work and you have these terraced gardens here in Spain, right? So. Mm-hmm. We had to do a little bit of of cement work way back down in the garden, two or three terraces down. And so I needed in total two wheelbarrows full of cement to do this little job. Uh, 
And so here I am at the top of the garden, I'm mixing the cement and I'm walking down with my first wheelbarrow and there's one of the people there in the grounds and he goes, hey, isn't it much easier if you take the cement mixer and the sand and the bags of cement and the water down to the bottom of the garden and you can mix the cement there? No, that's not actually easier because that's a lot of work when all I need to do is just drive two wheelbarrows down the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and, and, and she was trying to convince <laughs> me that her idea was great. And it was a terrible idea. It was the mm. most impractical idea that you could imagine. And she didn't realize that. And she was so convinced of how great her idea was that I couldn't even explain it to her. I just, you know, <laughs> picked up my wheelbarrow and carried on. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, some, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it's just that I get so riled up seeing people trying to convince the, uh, others of how great their idea is. And I'm like, yeah, okay, so you just want to be helpful. Well, that means you're being self-involved. Because you wanting to be helpful is an ego thing. It's not about the other person. Mm-hmm. It's about you mm-hmm. wanting to feel good for having solved somebody else's problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I wanted to say is that, you know, even if at that point you have a great idea, like the other person won't listen anymore, you know, mm. yeah. because I guess, you know, we can become too pushy or, or whatnot of course. with it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I want to ask, I'm, I'm not even sure how to ask it, mm. uh, especially now when a lot of sales and calls happen online, mm-hmm. um, you know, like back in the day, I guess not, not as far as like some recent years, like you would meet with people and yeah. talk to them and, you know, like you would dress up and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. like nowadays, what is so, like some of the most important things as far as presentation goes? Like, you know, I guess it's our camera and our audio, or like how we speak or like, what are some of the things that, I guess we as technical founders should focus on if we decide to do sales, like if we're doing one-on-one sales. Well, guess what my answer is going to be to the question, what should we focus on? Um, I guess to help them? To focus on the other person. Yes. Right. There is so much that you can read from people if you pay close attention to their micro expressions their body language, the things that they don't say, the things that you would expect them to say, the way they say things, all of that is signals, it's data, it's intel that tells you something about that person and where they're at and their concerns. So if you want to pay attention to anything, start there. Start by really, really scrutinizing the other person on the screen there. And what can you learn from what you observe about them? Start start with that. Yeah, makes sense. And the um, thing is, don't... No, you go ahead. Well... I think the voice is delaying a bit from my end. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, focus on the other person, but also you have your own part. So, yes, you have your camera and your lighting. Um, make sure you're, you're on eye level with the camera, that you try and look into the camera as much as possible because it looks really weird when you're using an iPad in horror, uh, 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 landscape mode, and you're looking at the screen and they're seeing you looking off screen. That's, you know, try mm-hmm. to be as natural as possible in how you configure things and set them up. And then give people space. Like, create a situation, create a conversation where the other person feels comfortable in opening up and sharing what their concerns are. So instead of, I I had it uh, last year uh, with a client, exactly the kind of client that I don't want to work with anymore. Okay. Because he was doing interviews, product market fit research. 
and he had this habit of launching all of his questions at people in one go. I was listening to the recordings going, why the hell do you do this? This is not an interview. You're, you're, you're just throwing seven questions in one go and then you're expecting to have a quality conversation with this person. No, that you don't even give them time to breathe. Ask a question, let the other person talk. Then you move on to the next question and then you give them time to talk so that you actually learn and they feel heard because that's the one thing to always make sure you let the other person know that you see them. One of the worst things that you can do to a human being is pretend they're not there. Make a deal with your street to everybody for a month, ignore John from around the corner. Before mm -hmm. the month is up, John will be in therapy. If you pretend somebody doesn't exist, they'll go right. crazy. Not being seen, not being heard, not being recognized, appreciated, is a terrible, god-awful, hurtful, terrifying thing to do to people. Very often, we give the other person the impression we don't see them, even though we're paying attention. But they don't feel seen because we ignore something that they said, or we brush off an objection that they have, or because uh, we're too keen to tell our story and we don't give them time to talk and tell their story. And all these things give the other person the feeling that, yeah, what am I actually doing here? It's like nobody's even paying attention to me. What, what, uh, mm -hmm. If that happens, you lose a lot of goodwill and buy-in from the other person. So use language like, oh, I get that. Yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, that must be a terrible thing. Huh, how did you do that? That is a really impressive achievement. Right? Whatever it is that's relevant to the conversation that you can say mm -hmm. that tells the other person, I see you. This is one of the most important lessons. Show people that you see them. There's even a language in Africa, and I forget which one, and I forget the word, where their daily greeting is, I see you. Oh, wow. Okay. It's yeah, that is beautiful. In it's it's the same as the the palms together namaste, no? Is in, that the meaning behind it? I never knew it honestly. Well, from what I understand, it is the divine in me greets the divine in you. So oh, now wow, it's not okay. I see you, but it's the same mechanism. It is mm -hmm. you are being seen. Yeah, I acknowledge you. I you know. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is so easy to get wrong, and it is so easy to fix. Show yeah. people that you notice them. Yeah, one thing I remember, I think we even like tweeted back and forth, I th maybe even last year, you know, like mm. we were talking about, I think you had tweeted something and uh, it was something along the lines where even if you don't make a sale, mm -hmm. you're sort of focusing on a long-term relationship yeah, with that person because you never know where that person will work or, you know, um, and that's, that's very powerful, you know, because if we focus on the sale and immediately we see there's nothing in there, like you can hang up and be rude. Yeah. You know, but what's the point of that? Like you, you lose the chance to make a connection with another human, mm -hmm. maybe not for your particular sale, but down the line, you know, or even maybe a friend for life, you know, whatever that may be. Absolutely. So um, that's really cool. Like, I really like that approach that you had. I mean, I've seen your tweets over and over again. Mm. I really appreciate them because <clears throat> you do sort of uh, put that thing out there like all the time, you know, like yeah. ethical selling and you know, selling for nice people and, and yeah. making long-term relationships. And Look, you, um, you, I think that's very important. It's very nice to win a sale, but everybody knows that you don't win them all. Now, when right. you lose a sale, should you win the relationship and stay with that? I think you should. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
And this yeah. is not mine. I, I, I figured I found that quote somewhere, but I like it. You know, lose the sale, win the relationship, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And like on losing sales, I was watching some uh, nature program on Apple TV. It was mm. something about uh, wild animals at night. I can't remember the name of the show. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, going around these cheetahs and uh, it could have been Netflix, actually. He's going around these cheetahs trying to hunt or like lions or a bunch right. of uh, uh, wild animals. And the rate of cheetahs, like making a, a successful hunt, it was so low. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. It's like the most, it's the fastest animal in the planet, I think. Uh -huh. yeah. And they cannot even catch a antelope because uh -huh. they run so fast, but they run, they run in short bursts. Yeah. So they get tired quickly. Yeah. And that sort of got me thinking. I'm like, cheetahs can make like every sale. No. Like they're hunting for nights and maybe they make one hunt like when it's full moon and they can see brightly you know yeah. which was amazing yeah so uh yeah um another thing i wanted to ask you about your illustrations mm -hmm. and i had no idea that you do them yourself oh yeah 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 and then i saw it on your blog that you do illustrations, and then i connected the dots i said Duh, okay that makes uh -huh. sense so you know like where did the illustration come in the picture uh in your sort of you know journey well, uh, I've, I've tried a number of times in my life to learn how to draw. And it was always an abysmal failure. Um, so at some point I decided that I'm just not a visual artist. I don't know how to draw a stick figure to save my life. And these days I draw stick figures and I illustrate my articles with it. How did that happen? I don't know. I At some point I was making a presentation and I needed some simple symbols like a car and a house and a thumb. And so I had a friend show me a couple of tricks on how to draw something and something clicked. And and I draw a stick figure and I go, this is a fun guy. This is this is an, a kind of like a character. That's fun. Let me draw another one and another one. And it, it just became a thing. And then I realized I don't have to do anything that looks like it is art or quality or well done. I have to draw something that illustrates what I've just written. And if it does that, it's good enough. And I don't mm -hmm. give a damn if anybody thinks it is not art or not good or not. It's not my problem. My problem is, can I do something visual that helps you better grasp what I wrote? Better remember it, interpret it, uh, uh, remember it. So that became a thing a couple of years ago. Since then, I've been doing it every day. And yeah, people tell me that they like them, that they think it's it's funny. So yeah, I just keep going. And I have a lot of fun because I can I can also use it to put humor into it. Mm -hmm. And um, also you're a copywriter. So, yeah. you know, that adds up and they make sense like so much. And they look like very fast, yeah. very fast drawn. I don't know if you make them fast, but they look very like fast. very loose and, you know, yeah. very straight to the point. Like this yep. is what it is. This is what it does. Yep. You know, which I appreciate a lot, you know, so mm. that's really cool. That's nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, did I forget anything to ask you, Martin? I know you have like so much experience and I try to ask some questions that potentially help uh, listeners, technical founders. But is there something that uh, I forgot to ask maybe that is helpful to somebody listening? Well, you talk about technical founders and the product. So what I see a lot is, and, 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 and now that I'm building my own app, I understand. So I've spoken to countless founders over the years. And one thing that consistently shows up is a bias towards building and under uh, a, a, a lack of attention and effort into marketing, marketing and selling. 
And every time I talk to these people, I'm saying, ah, what about your marketing and what can you do and how does that work? And, well, we parked the campaign because we want to build more features. And more features isn't going to sell the thing. But then a month ago, six weeks ago, I started building my own app and I realized why it is not necessarily because founders are so adverse to marketing. In fact, I think a lot of founders tell themselves that they don't like marketing and sales just because it's a nice excuse to have to go back to building because my God, is it fun to build? It's the zone. It is so addictive to sit there and tinker away at something mm -hmm. and make another thing appear and work the way it should. And here's a bug and oh, I fixed the bug. It, it's, it's, I just want to spend my whole day building things and never do any marketing just because it's so beautifully addictive and wonderful to be in the process. <laughs> but yeah. that, if I fall into that, I'm, for one thing, I'm giving the wrong example. But also, if I would fall into that, I would be making everything about myself. Because mm -hmm. I'd be building more features just because I like doing that. Instead of taking the features that I have to the people for whom I'm building the thing in the first place. So when you feel that you're being drawn into more features and more building, ask yourself, are you staying true to your mission of making something better for other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And should you shift a bit of your time and energy into more marketing so that more people hear about you? Because otherwise, you're just doing it in your bubble. And you're doing it for your own enjoyment. And that's fine, but then don't tell yourself that you're running a business because you're not. You're just building something. Yeah. One trick I used to use before, you know, I guess I'm going back to something we spoke earlier in mm. the episode, and it's about sort of when you're selling a product and you're hearing a no, it feels more personal because you've built it. Yeah. And it's, it feels like a no to your creation, which is horrible. I know. And one trick that I've used with myself before, I haven't really used it as much because I haven't done a lot of sales, but I had a product that I came to a point that it wasn't going anywhere. And it didn't at the end, but um, mm. I was at a point that was, it was really tired of it and I had taken a break. And then during the break, I had an idea. I was like, let me think of the product as if somebody hired me. It's not my product. Uh -huh. It's, it's this shit product that nobody wants uh -huh. and you have to sell it. And, you know, I, I sort of primed myself with that when I came from the break and I, I wrote the blogs and I did the marketing, the product wasn't going anywhere. It was just way too many things, you mm. know, going wrong with it. When looking back, I didn't know at the time, but that's one trick that I used. I was like, let me, let me just think of this as somebody hired me. Like, this is not my product. I didn't build it. And what that allowed me actually, when I was talking to people, when they complained about something, like mm. I used to be uh, more accepting of it. Like I didn't get as defensive. Mm -hmm. I be I was like more like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that thing, yeah, it does that. Like it just doesn't work at this time, but it'll it'll be fixed soon, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like I want to use that again because even now when I'm talking to you with my new product, mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's it's still that sort of self consciousness because I've built it myself. And like if somebody doesn't want it. It's like, oh crap, like I, I, I don't know anything all these years. Like I haven't yeah. learned anything. Yeah, I <laughs> you know, know. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> so I know, I know. But yeah. look, if it's any consolation, it's not just founders and, and, and makers, developers who struggle with this. Uh, the same thing happens if mm -hmm. you build a course or you write a book or you run a webinar and you get no signups. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's always, yeah, you're, 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 
you're doing something extremely vulnerable. You're, you know, you're turning yourself inside out for the world to take a stab at. This is what I made, guys. This is me. This is from the heart. Please mm -hmm. be gentle. And some people will resonate with it. Some people will ignore it. Some people might be a jerk and, and, and give you nasty remarks. Doesn't matter what you do and put out there, you're always, you know, showing. showing it's 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 the, the 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 oyster opening up. It's the weakest part. It's where it hurts hurts most. If if mm -hmm. you know uh, if people put poke their finger there, but that's what you got to do. If you have something that you believe in, it's 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 either that or you get Schrodinger's book deal. You know that all these people that you ask them. Oh, how's your book going? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm on my fourth mm -hmm. rewrite and it's almost ready. And, and then I'm going to take it to the publishers and shop it around. And half a year later, how is your book going? Yeah, I know it's, it, I had to do another rewrite, but I'm on the fifth and it's almost ready. And then, and they are in that state forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why? Why do people do that and never finish the goddamn book? Because so long as you're still working on the book, you still have the dream that it's going to be picked up and it's become going to become a success. But the moment you finish the book and you put it in front of people and you don't get the success, your dream dies. And so very mm -hmm. often it is safer to never publish it, to never finish it, to never call it done, to never put it in the street in the light of day, because then at least you get to keep your dream of future success. Yeah, which is dangerous. <laughs> really yeah. dangerous because that's how you stay stuck for, for life. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you, like, I mean, the more experience I get, it... It doesn't get any better. Like, what do you, how do you, you know, like, how do you deal with that? Like, even the zero signups, or like, do you develop a thicker skin, or you just become more accepting? Like, what is sort of the trick, if I can say that? I don't know if there's a trick. I think it is. It's just a matter of over time, you you learn to care less, you take things less personally, mm -hmm. and you learn to distance yourself a little bit from the emotional reaction. Look, if if somebody if somebody sees my app, right? So now I'm I'm about to start doing product market fit interviews. And my big fear is that they're going to tell me my baby is ugly, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. in my world would mean, oh, that's cute. What is it for? If I get that reaction, I would be devastated. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to get that reaction from some people who don't at first click get what the app is trying to do. So uh, uh, um, I lost my track now. I am dealing with the same situation. I am struggling to get myself to invite people for those interviews because I'm afraid. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I've launched so many things over the years and so often I've not get, got any success that now for me to go and line up 30 interviews really is a matter of, well, and if, if they don't like it or if they don't get it, I'll figure something out. I don't give a damn. I just want to right. talk to people and, and get their feedback. It's, it's beyond wanting the good feedback and ready adoption. No, I just want the honest truth. Tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you, you get a bit hardened, but also a bit more detached. It's just an emotion, you know, it, it is your mm -hmm. reaction to a situation, but you are not your emotion. Emotion is something sure. you have. Well, the moment you notice an emotion and it's not a nice one, then you can say, well, good, I'm going to park that here on the corner of the desk and <laughs> right. sit there and give it its validity and existence because you don't want to ignore or deny emotions. 
but you also don't want to uh, identify with it because then you just become sad and depressed. Right. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you're not your emotion. Like you're no. not that. Yeah. No, you have emotion. emotion. Is, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. These are like so you know so many good concepts to have. Like as you you know mm. as as we grow and move on in this journey, you know, like mm. just having these concepts that you we constantly work in. I've been meditating since last year, and oh, good. You know. Yeah. Like it's helped me a lot. Sort right. of. You know notice and be more aware and stuff yeah um and i i use the app headspace uh, -huh. uh which is really good uh yeah. i mean i like that sort of guided guided meditation um and uh yeah so you know just the concepts and one thing that i wanted to ask you like this was a question way before and doesn't have to do anything with sales or anything mm -hmm. uh, and if you can share a bit because I, i'm always curious mm -hmm. what does it actually mean to be a monk like what is it what does that entail it means you give up You, you make a decision where you strive to give up on yourself. Not as in throwing in the towel, but giving up your sense of self-importance. Mm -hmm. So you, you take a number of vows that limit your freedom, uh, your freedom of movement. I, I had a whole set of vows from poverty to celibacy to obedience to seven meditations a day. Like I had a very, very predictable life. I knew what I would be doing on Sunday at 11 in the morning, three months from now, because every mm -hmm. Sunday would be the same. And in doing that, in giving up so much of your own personal freedom and independence, you discover a whole different kind of freedom in a psychological sense. You discover that the freedom to do whatever the hell you want is actually a prison. It is the prison of hedonism, uh, of self-satisficing. And it's very nice to be able to do whatever the hell you want, but it's actually a very limiting thing. So when you make these vows to give up all these liberties and freedoms, voluntarily, not because anybody taught you, uh, told you to, um, you, you, you discover a different kind of freedom, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and you learn to put your own ideas and self-asserting in the world into different perspective. Like everybody operates as if they're the center of the world, which, you know, in a sense, everybody is the center of their own world. But then here comes my world bashing into your world saying, mm -hmm. you need to listen to my great idea or buy my great product or, right? So, so then it, we assert ourselves and trying to bully the world into doing our way because we think that we're so great and we have such great mm -hmm. ideas when you become a monk or a nun or you commit to any serious spiritual practice it doesn't have to be with vows but the goal then becomes to create a different sense of perspective between bet between the the, the, the self-involved ego driven to actually learning how to listen to life how to observe, how to perceive others, how to see what movements and currents happen in the world around you and the way in which those invite you to participate instead of presenting themselves for you to then bash through because I have this great idea. So you learn humility. I'm yeah. still learning. Yeah, it's never ending, I guess. No, it's not. It's never ending. Yeah, I was talking to a friend the other day and uh, I realized something in the conversation that uh, a lot of good things that have happened in my life mm 
they were not the ones that I've planned for specifically, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the ones that I've planned for were so technical, like even the product and everything, but yeah. everything else outside, it's like something sort of that happened. And then I maybe grabbed onto it. And yeah. I guess what I'm learning, you know, from, you know, I don't do a lot of meditation. Like I do a couple of minutes a day, mm -hmm. but it's like more of letting go mm -hmm. and just, you know, accepting things as they come and then yeah. playing with those cards, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, you mm -hmm. know, I, that was like sort of my, when I read your, your blog and you're about like, that was the first thing that sort of caught my mind. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to ask Martin about this. It has nothing to do with sales, which it kind of does, you know, in a way like that sort of, you know, brought you to where you are now. Yeah. But I, I was really curious about that. And that's, mm. that is admirable, you know, to be, nobody made you to be able to do that on your own, to sort mm -hmm. of give up those liberties. And, um, I guess that learning experience is so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. Can My you pleasure. share uh, wherever people can find you, what you're doing, anything that you want? Like, where can where can they learn more about you and meet you, I guess, online? Yeah. Well, if, if you want to see the tweet storms and me being, well, sometimes just a little bit silly on Twitter, uh, I'm at Martin Steller. Um, if you want to read the articles, go to martinsteller.com uh, slash posts. Uh, that's my blog. If you would like to see the launch of the app, and please do not tell me my baby is ugly. But <laughs> if you think so, please be honest. Just be gentle. Uh, go to martinsteller.com forward slash SFC for Salesflow Coach. And, and you get a notification when the app goes live. Very cool. And will you ever go back to uh, being a tailor ever? No. No. no, okay. No, All that's, right. I learned there what I needed. I learned how to really observe, really, really, really look at people because being a good tailor um, isn't just a technical skill. It is, it's very much a skill of psychology and observation and seeing what somebody needs, both in terms of their physique, but also their mannerisms and behavior, mm -hmm. their career. So to get something that makes people feel like a million bucks, you need to really, really pay attention to them. And so I learned how to do that in a very technical sense. And now I apply that in how, how I operate when I deal with clients or prospects or uh, students. Mm -hmm. I never, never would have thought that tailoring would give you that perspective, but that makes mm. so much sense. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're dealing with a person and you're trying to, you know, make them look good and feel good yeah, with exactly. what you're making for them. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. Um, again, Martin, thank you so much for sharing thank all you. this. Pleasure. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been so helpful for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening have found a lot of gems that they can use in their in their business. So thanks for that. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.